Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today is the final episode in our special Ask the Expert series. You're going to hear from five incredibly impressive people and get their valuable perspective on software and technology careers. Today, we've got Kent C. Dodds of Epic React Dev and TestingJavaScript.com fame, Sarah Drasner, who is currently the VP of Developer Experience at Netlify, View Core team member and staff writer at CSS Tricks, Scott Hanselman, host of the Hanselman's podcast and his YouTube channel, Troy Hunt, Microsoft Regional Director, creator of popular security courses on Pluralsight, and the awesome service HaveIBeenPwned.com, and Wes Boss, host of the Syntax Podcast and creator of many wildly popular courses on web development, including the free 30-day vanilla JavaScript coding challenge. I've been seeing a lot of great comments related to this series on Twitter. That means a lot to me and our experts, so thank you. Keep those coming. So let's jump right in with the first question. How would you define the difference between junior and senior devs? Kent, Sarah, Troy, Scott, and Wes, weigh in. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that, honestly, the distinction between junior and senior is kind of silly to me. I, I was technically a senior dev uh, within a few months of graduating from college. Um, I like I was I was the only front end dev, uh, so I had to be senior. <laughs> so the and actually, no, even before that job, I, I was technically a senior dev. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous uh, the distinction. Every uh, company is going to have a different definition for these uh, for these terms, and so um, the only reason that they matter is because, especially at larger companies, your compensation has a lot to do with your level, and uh, in especially at larger companies, your uh, title will um, um, is a communication uh, piece for when you're reaching out to different teams um, and. Uh, they need to get a, an idea of who they're uh, talking to really quickly, and the title helps a lot with that. So, other than that, I think the like technical differences are pretty um, silly, and it comes down to like so. If the question is what's the difference between an inexperienced and an experienced developer, well, it comes down to how much experience have you had, and you get experience by having experiences. Um, and those experiences come from facing problems. And so uh, an experienced developer has gone through and experienced a lot of problems uh, that a junior hasn't. And so uh, what I would suggest to go from junior to senior in, in that sort of a definition is to try to have more and varied problems and uh, and face those problems and, and get help when you need to. Um, but uh, yeah, so expose yourself to more problems if you want more experience. I think a lot of people think that us senior devs know everything. And there are a lot of areas where we do know more from experience, but mainly the big difference is knowing where to find the answers. We become expert Googlers when we don't know something. There's also something to be said for inklings. And what I mean by that is that you've seen problems in all shapes and sizes and you get better and better at having those well-founded hunches. You begin to see patterns and messes and have a fairly good grasp at a systems level for where to look when something breaks down or even how to build before a failure even happens. I do believe that a lot of this is practice and it's a matter of time before any junior dev ramps up this way. So it's not out of reach for anybody. I personally would like to not define it based on uh, age <laughs> to begin with. I have, a, I have a, even now that I'm older and I could probably benefit from that, I have a strong predisposition against trying to define that um, 
based on when someone was born and also have a strong predisposition against trying to define that based on the years of experience simply because so many people say they've got 20 years of experience and they've really just got the one year of experience 20 times over. <laughs> just done the same thing for, you know, forever. So I would look much more at the capabilities and achievements of the individual as opposed to whether their age or the number of years they've been doing it for. Again, I get back to systems thinking. A junior developer is focused on the line of code that's in front of them while the senior dev is thinking about the ramifications and the ripples in the pond when they throw the pebble that is that line of code into the pond. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think like once you, you reach a point in your code where you're not so much concerned about um, like like the actual code you're writing to implement it, but you're more concerned about the ideas, the logic, the flow, the architecture, just the sort of the high level thoughts about how should I design this thing? How should I organize my code? Um, and not so much like, oh my gosh, what's the second method to uh, a raid out push or, or whatever is like that. So um, there's that. And there's also like I see a lot of senior developers are not so... Um, knee jerky about languages and frameworks and libraries. Um, these things come and go so quickly um, that it's important to know for, for your senior devs, know like, all right, well, whatever is the best tech at the time that I build this thing, then that's what I'm going to go with. But um, I'm not so stressed out about new new JavaScript library coming out every three minutes. I was really looking forward to hearing what our experts had to say about this. Uh, that's not surprising, of course, because of the title of the show. Now, it is true between companies, uh, job titles may not map very well. Senior in one organization may not be senior in another. However, I do think that this question is really important. Uh, as the organizer of JSLA, a big JavaScript meetup in Los Angeles, a lot of companies approach me because they're looking to hire developers. But what's amazing is almost all of them want a senior engineer. And I'm not entirely sure that they always know what that means, but they certainly know that's what they want. And so I think being able to know what makes a senior engineer different from a junior engineer, especially because so many engineers that I meet identify as junior engineers, I think this difference is really important. Okay, so we can start with the basics. Practice makes perfect, 10,000 hours to build expertise and all that. The more problems you've encountered and faced, the better equipped you'll be to solve more. I like that Sarah makes this a bit more concrete. The more experience you have, the better your intuition will become because you'll recognize patterns. And a seemingly new problem might just be a new twist on something you know how to deal with. Not only that, but previous failures will prevent you from even pursuing time-wasting dead ends. I just alluded to the 10,000 hours rule that was popularized by Malcolm Gladwell. Troy is smart to point out that we should be wary of your years of experience as a metric. Well, the truth is 10,000 hours is actually a mischaracterization of the underlying research by Anders Ericsson. He studied musicians, violinists to be exact, and uh, there are two important takeaways that most people miss. The first is that 10,000 hours was an average. So a lot of musicians took a lot less time and some took more. And two, crucially, it was about deliberate practice, not just time spent. 
Therefore, you can dramatically speed up your transformation from junior to senior if you learn to spend your time wisely by focusing on your capabilities and your achievements. I also want to point out that I love the way Scott phrased his answer and referenced something he talked about on a previous episode. You can identify a senior developer because they can think holistically about the system. What's great is that Wes brought up a similar point. Junior developers will focus on syntax and argument order, and senior engineers can see past that stuff and think about the higher level ideas and the logic itself. This is the pebble versus the ripples in the pond in Scott's metaphor. I'd also like to quickly echo Wes's point about not having knee-jerk reactions to languages and frameworks. This is something I see a lot with junior devs and is actually something that Sarah referenced when talking about the biggest mistake juniors make previously. Okay, and moving on, our next question is, do you think devs are better off as generalists or specialists? Kent, Sarah, Troy, Scott, and Wes give their take. Uh, I think that... For I, I can tell you my experience, I'm way better off as a specialist uh, than a generalist. The um, the challenge is how specialized do you go? Um, do you specialize in Adobe Flash <laughs> and then you go down with the ship? Probably not a good idea. Um, but can you specialize in a particular language um, or a particular platform that is clearly um, you know the dominant um, platform for whatever you are going for? Then yeah, sure. Like. Nobody's going to get fired for choosing React, um, and that's going to stick around for a very long time. So I kind of specialize. I don't. I wouldn't say I specialize in React specifically, um, but it is definitely a big subcategory of my specialist or specialization of JavaScript, and that has played off really, really well for me. JavaScript especially is useful because I can do anything that I want to. I I can do robotics and VR and and whatever I I want because JavaScript is so. Um, yeah, so ubiquitous. Um, so I, I guess maybe I'm a generalist because I'm in JavaScript and JavaScript can go anywhere. But I, I really, uh, I was very intentional about going into JavaScript and just focusing on, okay, I'm not going to worry about Go. I'm not going to worry about uh, Java or Ruby or anything. I'm, I'm just going to focus on, um, on JavaScript. And that has played out really well for me. Now, I know that exploring other languages can help you um, in programming in general. And so I think that's fine. But um, I think that the age of the the uh, full stack developer in any real world production scenario is it just doesn't really exist. Um, there, there are those who work at smaller companies that maybe wear a lot of hats there. But if you're at any sizable company, um, it, it just doesn't make sense for the company to just say, OK, you're in charge of the whole stack you know, front to back over here, you're never going to do that. Um, you, it, you just are so much more effective specializing, just people in general. So uh, that's what I would, I would say uh, about that. I actually don't think this is an either or. Um, it's totally possible to be good at most things and really deep dive in an area or two and really master it. You usually have to have a grasp of the full system to truly understand something at an expert level anyway. I think we need both. and. I, I say that because I, I see so many places where one at the expense of the other leaves at least a team or an organization short. Um, if, if I think about the times I was in a, a corporate role, if there wasn't someone that understood the broader picture of how these things tie in together, and often we'd call this person an architect or something like that, 
uh, it would be very hard to make all the parts move together. But also, if we didn't have someone that could get down deep, at, you know, let, let's say the database optimization level, then we'd also suffer. So certainly in, a, in any sort of blended environment where you have multiple people, I think you need a healthy mix. I would say as an individual, for me at least, the generalist approach has been much more valuable. And I, I say that as someone who's carved out a niche around security, but I do a lot of stuff around cloud and a lot of stuff around front-end development and back-end development databases. So I, I think you can also have a little both, a little bit of both. We have a sort of foundation across the technology spectrum, but there may be one thing that you're just extra focused on as well. I think you can have a healthy blend of both. I think that that's too general of a question. I think some personality types are better off as generalists. I tend to think that generalists are more useful than specialists until you absolutely need a specialist. So, you know, 70, 80%, it's kind of like a general practitioner, doctor, and a brain surgeon. You know, you don't need a brain surgeon until you totally, absolutely need a brain surgeon. The same thing applies in, applies in software. So generalists are generally useful until they're not. So maybe 70, 30. I think that if you can absolutely slam dunk some topic, like 3D modeling or uh, database ORM, or like you can just be like the person who's the best at that, then absolutely you can be a specialist at that. But like you're probably not, same with myself, you're probably not good enough at, uh, at anything to be a specialist in that one one time. So um, like, what am I? I'm, I'm both. Well, like early on, I was sort of like a WordPress focused um, and then I moved into JavaScript. And um, now if I kind of take a look at what I do, I'm kind of a generalist, but specializing in JavaScript, if that makes any sense, because like I do front end dev, um, I do vanilla, I do React, a couple other frameworks, I do back end, different back end frameworks, databases, scheduling, scripting, all of this stuff. So um, I would consider myself a little bit more of a generalist, but within the JavaScript. So that's not really an answer. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty clear from our experts answers that both are important. Ultimately, I agree with Scott here, and the degree to which you specialize should depend on your personality. You can succeed with both. Truthfully, though, this isn't really a binary choice, but a gradient, and you want to find the right balance. It makes me think of this quote from science fiction author Robert Heinlein. A human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. The takeaway from this quote is that to be efficient, you often need to have a large number of skills. These things can come up in life and like in software, it can be very helpful to know how to do a lot of different things. So zooming into software and technology, you'll want to build a collection of skills that will help you be effective at solving problems for yourself, your team, and your users. For some, you can get by with a basic understanding, and others, you'll really want to invest your time. And for the record, I completely agree with Kent. Specialize in JavaScript to get the best of both worlds. And of course, check out js.la for the best JavaScript talks. All right, and now on to our final question for today. Where do you see tech? in the next 10 years. Let's hear what Kent, Sarah, Troy, Scott, and Wes have to say. 
I don't know, man, like in, in the next 10 years, who knows? Like we may not even be programming anymore. We may hit that singularity and now we're not, uh, we just have computers doing everything. Uh, assuming that that's not the case, I think that we'll still be doing JavaScript. Uh, that This is going to stay for a very long time. It may not be the, the hotness in 10 years. Who knows? I'm not sure. But it will definitely still be in demand. Um, I, I fully expect also that um, uh, React will be the, uh, the last UI framework you need to learn because the next big thing is going to be something so transformative, so different that it's, it's not even in the same category. It's um, you know, you, maybe a, a real drag and drop and then the computer, um, you know, some um, um, AI assisted programming uh, sort of thing where the AI makes it uh, like you can just communicate to the AI what you want and then it creates the program for you. So I, I really think that um, we, we cannot predict the next 10 years. Uh, every decade uh, brings with it more changes than the last. And so it's, it's hard to say uh, what will be in demand. But I, I can say with relative confidence that JavaScript and potentially React will still be um, something that people are programming in 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, th that's barring any just enormous change in the way that um, software is created in the next decade. Um, Skynet, for sure. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think everything eventually abstracts more and more. Infrastructure as a service gave way to platform as a service, which gave way to functions as a service, and so it goes. If this is confusing, I have a code pen that explains this visually that I'll link up. As we advance, we have more automation and focus on the developer experience. We'll allow configurations to let people get behind the magic, but ultimately we'll always work towards making the computers do the heavy lifting as we make more and more sophisticated human-computer interaction. I think we're already seeing this happen too. Security. <laughs> like, I, I, have a, I have an obvious bias there, but I, I say that because we are so, so, so increasingly heavily dependent on tech. And this is an area which is uh, well and truly understaffed. It pays exceptionally well. Most people who are in it find it really, really interesting as well. It's a very, very sort of diverse area of tech. But security is, is something I, I can't see declining at any point in the foreseeable future. And, and the other interesting thing about security is it touches everyone so yeah my mum and dad see things on the news about infosec they see things on the news about data breaches and nation state hacking but they don't see much in the news about the latest javascript framework <laughs> you know like my, that's not something my mum and dad catch so uh i i think that security side of things is fascinating and there's a lot of lot of uh a lot of room for that to grow yet the easy answers are things like aim and nml but Really good generalists with an understanding of historical context are always going to be helpful. The things that I, the skills that I built up 20 years ago in scaling large systems and banks applied directly to the cloud, even though the cloud didn't exist when I started. So again, I get back to large scale systems thinking as being a useful, a useful thing for everyone. 10 years old, man, 10 years, that's a guess. Even even three years out, I would that, that would be a guess on my end because this stuff moves so quickly. We have no idea what tech will look like in, in 10 years or if we'll even have jobs or if the robots will have killed us all by now. Um, but I, I don't know, let me think. Uh, people who are problem solvers will probably always be in demand. So someone who can 
take a look at a problem and figure out how to solve it, um, knowing that they're, the entire world is full of tools and languages and, and things to fix those problems. Um, Video-based apps probably will be another big one as bandwidth climbs up. We're working from home. Um, there's a lot of, especially with the, after the pandemic, there's a lot of new video-based products coming out there. And I think we're just getting started with that. Um, AI, artificial intelligence, just uh, that kind of stuff seems to be eking its way into every single thing that we do and making it, uh, improving the experience that we do. Um, just little things like taking background noise out of a recording like this um, all the way to um, smart text correction or, or whatnot. That will be uh, continue to be very, very this popular. This is as well. a really hard question. Nobody can predict the future, and our field in particular changes so quickly. So when looking to the future, we can often find clues from the past. Technologies that have lasted a long time are likely to persist into the future. I wouldn't be surprised if Kent is right about React and JavaScript. I love Scott's point that even as technologies change, the underlying concepts you learn can still be applied in the future. This is another reminder to pay attention how you think about systems. Now, if you want particular ideas on where to invest your time for the future, it sounds like automation, machine learning, and AI seem like good bets. I also agree with Wes that as bandwidth increases, we're going to see even more video-based apps. However, I'm going to say that the closest thing we can get to a sure thing is security. And I completely agree with Troy that it's only going to get more and more important as time goes on and we depend more and more on software in an increasing number uh, of areas in our life. So that's it for our questions. I hope you enjoyed getting to hear the perspectives from our experts. I know I did. If you'd like to learn more about any of them, visit the show notes at juniortosenior.io. Well, I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Next week, we'll be back to in-depth interviews with senior software engineers, hiring managers, and CTOs. Cheers.